0: Hello, Totally Sort of listeners. Chris here, and you're about to listen to our 20th episode. Darren and I are pretty happy to have made it this far, but we're also kind of ready for a breather. So, we're calling this episode a season finale. We'll touch on some new things, like the ending of Season 2 of the FX show Legion, and I get a chance to gush about my favorite comics from when I was a kid. But for the most part, we're using this milestone as a chance to look back at all the stuff we've covered over the past six months what were our favorites? Did we change our minds about anything? We've got a lot of ground to cover, so let's get started and find out.
1: Welcome to Totally Sort of, the podcast. It's sort of like a review show and totally like catching up with your best friend. I'm Darren.
0: And I'm Chris. We're going to let you know what you totally need to check out and what is sort of worth skipping. So how's your week been? It's been good. What have you been been checking out? What's uh, going on with Darren this week?
1: So I went to work the other day. Okay. And the place where I go down for my breaks and the door that I go in to get into my building... Right in front of the door, there was a a placard on the sidewalk that said, The Boys, Cast and Crew, seventh floor filming. And Mm. I was like, Is that The Boys, the comic book? So I look, and sure enough, it is. I'd heard rumblings that they were going to make this, and it's actually Seth Rogen and uh, the other people behind Preacher who are making it. Cool. And sure enough, it said they were filming in Toronto, and I was like, oh man, now I'm going to have to spend a whole lot of my day down here hoping to run into Seth Rogen. So (laughs) I I took a lot of breaks that day, but I I never saw Seth Rogen. Did you see anything interesting uh, film-wise? Yeah, I saw a couple of people. At one point when I was down there waiting, uh, a couple of minivans showed up and some cast got out. And they were obviously in costume, but they were wearing robes. But (laughs) I didn't see the two big names attached to it are Carl Urban, Mm -hmm. who's playing the lead character, Billy... Butcher, and uh, Elizabeth Shue is also in it. I didn't see either of them, but I saw some of the other actors as they got out of the uh, minivans and went up to the seventh floor where they're filming. There's a super fancy event space on the seventh floor of my building, and that's where they were filming.
0: Tell people about The Boys comic.
1: So The Boys is a comic by Garth Ennis, who is the same writer who wrote Preacher. It is in a Brief, brief synopsis, a world where superheroes exist. A lot of them get overwhelmed by their fame and celebrity and do stupid and reckless things. So the government forms a task force of powered individuals to police them called The Boys.
0: So sort of entourage meets uh, superheroes?
1: Done by Garth Ennis at his best, which is sort of Garth Ennis at his crudest.
0: That's pretty crude.
1: Yeah, it's a... (laughs) Melange of violence and sex and just nasty stuff happening. Hmm. It's a lot of fun. I'm quite excited to actually see it.
0: It sounds intriguing. I've never actually read it. I've heard about it, and I I really loved Garth Ennis's Run on Preacher. Um, he's somebody who can do depravity and disgusting, horrible filth without it turning me off. Some like I I talked a, a week or two ago about Mark Millar or Miller. You know, kind of turning me off for his grimness and darkness. But uh, Garth Ennis, I don't know, he's he's down there in the filth, but the, the sun is still shining somehow.
1: Yeah, I have the complete uh, run of the boys. I'll have to lend it to you.
0: Sounds good. I like that idea. All right.
1: Well, I think we, uh, if
0: people don't know, we are heading into our 20th episode tonight. And I've been reflecting a lot on this whole season so that's been my week has been reflecting on how did we actually manage to pull off doing 20 episodes of this thing and where do we go from here
1: yeah i think we both talked about maybe it would be nice to go back and check in on some things that we've talked about over the course of the season and rather than dive into new stuff do a season in review i like that idea
0: What's been percolating for you that you've really wanted to revisit or ask about?
1: I was just going to touch on a few things that either I liked uh, and stuck with me or things that in reflection I wound up not liking. Mm -hmm. So the first one I had was we spoke at one point about a uh, mobile app game called Halcyon 6.
0: Yeah, I'm really curious. Did you uh, revisit that at all? Because I actually introduced you to it and I don't think I ever played it again.
1: Yeah, you introduced me to it. I had a sort of long chunk of time to play it while we were doing this drive to Ottawa and back. Yeah, And I got into it and really enjoyed it. Shortly thereafter, though, I started to find it just too fiddly, particularly Mm -hmm. the combat. As you got more and more spaceships and you could load, uh, your spaceships could have different loadouts of weapons and and armor and things like that. And then before each battle, you kind of had to go look at who you were fighting and then pick which weapons you could use because there was a whole sort of rock, paper, scissors for different weapons against different defenses. And it just became way too cumbersome before every battle once you were fighting varied armies of enemies. So you'd have four different enemies that you were fighting, each of which had different strengths and weaknesses. And you had four different ships and you had to load in a combination of the right strengths against their weaknesses weaknesses and the right defenses yeah. against their strengths and it just became like to start a battle took 15 minutes of fiddling, and I kind of lost interest at that point.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that, and I'm uh, I feel somewhat vindicated that I didn't sink more time into it because I was actually finding that issue very early on, even with a limited selection of ships, just because it wasn't terribly intuitive. The whole paper rock scissors thing. I felt like I really had to to read and think about and compare. You know, this weapon to this shield. Or defense and uh, yeah, really, really fiddly, uh, fiddly system that kind of took away from that game. That's too bad. In other uh, space combat news, uh, throughout the months that we've been working on this, I am still sucked into uh, the app for Star Realms, I am still firmly entrenched.
1: You've been playing that for a long time,
0: it's crazy. Every time. <laughs> every time i think i'm gonna get out uh they release something new and the scary thing is that they've now introduced pay-to-play components so star realms for people who don't know and i don't think i've ever really explained it on the show um it's a great little um small two-player dueling style deck building card game and the app for it is really a great app it's free to play you know just to get into it but then uh, if you buy the full version you can play online you can play against opponents and campaigns and recently they've introduced a weekly arena league which basically each week there's a new flavor there's a slight tweak to the rules and you play uh, either to two losses or six wins so it's a very very addictive (laughs) for somebody who's already addicted to the game a very enticing kind of uh, play format especially with having a new variation each week so although i'm a little bit disgusted with myself that i'm still playing this thing uh, i'm still having fun with it and i'm amazed that they've uh, actually figured out how to, to keep me hooked all this time
1: are you saying that you're still hooked and they're starting to now milk more money out of you
0: Yeah, all of these many, many months, uh, I had only ever paid, you know, maybe five bucks for the app way back when. And now they've got me into something where I'm potentially spending maybe two or three bucks a week. It's not a lot. You're basically paying credits for um, entering leagues, and uh, the leagues can go anywhere from two to eight games. And I just don't have time to play it that much, so I'm never going to play too many. But yeah, they're getting a little trickle out of me now.
1: Well, good for them, I suppose.
0: (laughs) I'm just happy it's not like a sort of the standard uh, kind of uh, freemium model where you have to buy the best stuff to, to be competitive. It's not that. It's just sort of entry fees for these leagues.
1: All right. I was going to mention one of the last things that we decided to add to our roster of things we wanted to talk about was podcasts Mm -hmm. and you got me into one called reply all yeah I like that one which we talked about which is sort of a technology and internet it's
0: kind of tech
1: centric but
0: it's really good people stories generally.
1: So I have found I quite like it. And part of why I quite like it is that it enables me to talk to my teenage son, who's sort of a like online, you know, Instagram uh, meme machine. (laughs) And particularly the episodes that they do this uh, thing called Yes, Yes, No. Have you listened to any of those episodes? Uh, I'm not sure. So they basically find a tweet that is super popular but very obscure. Okay. And they they go they look for one that the three of them, two of them understand what it means and one of them doesn't. Okay. And they basically go through the path of explaining it to him so that they go from yes yes no to yes yes yes.
0: Yeah, I have heard this. It's it's pretty pretty cool. It's like a uh, it's like a, a history lesson in memes.
1: They just pick these obscure tweets that have. Hundreds of thousands of likes and shares that when unless you know the background to it, they seem completely meaningless and then explain to you what they mean and why they're popular.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, Pretty cool sort of micro study in the in-joke and and memes in a lot of ways are like callbacks and in-jokes that just uh, reproduce way faster than they ever used to. Because really the only format that these things used to work on was like sitcoms or weekly shows. And yeah, now they can just sort of breed at the speed of light.
1: So I have enjoyed it, enjoyed those particular episodes, and enjoyed that now I sometimes understand things my teenage son is talking about.
0: Nice. Uh, I was going to give you a little shout out for introducing me to Song Exploder. I was actually just listening to it a couple of hours ago. It's a, a podcast that basically takes a song from almost any genre and they interview one of the creators, whether that's the composer or the artist, and break it down, explode it out into all its little parts. Um, it's a really good listen. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. I think my only limitation is that I want to hear more shows on songs that I, I know and care about. It's also interesting to hear about songs that are new to me or artists that I'm not particularly into, but it's I enjoy it more when I know the artist. That's the only thing holding me back, but it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, my first experience with it was just to cherry pick all the songs that I knew in their episode list. And those are a ton of fun, but I I agree. It's not quite a, the same to do a song that you've never heard before, but I still have enjoyed those episodes as well. Uh, next on my list was Cloak and Dagger, which I think we talked about twice, once when the trailer came out and once when it was about to launch
0: yeah and I haven't actually seen this, so i'm I'm looking forward for your twenty second review.
1: yeah, not gonna give anything huge away, but uh, we talked about the problem that you had with this whole being a a black and white literally story about mm-hmm. uh, a girl who controls light and a boy who controls darkness, and sort of the dated nature of it that the boy is of course black and the girl is white, and uh, whether that was really gonna play. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 2018 the way it played in the 80s in the original comics they changed the origin story which I really wanted to dislike but the whole time I watched it I thought it just worked better the original origin story is that they're both junkies and they get some tainted drug that interacts with whatever yeah. mutant abilities they may have had dormant and gives them these powers. In this one, they have them both exposed to a, an accident that brings the two of them together. So it also sort of explains why their powers are linked, that they're both uh, exposed in the same way to the mm-hmm. same accident as children and then loop around to coming in contact with each other as teenagers. Yeah. And so I wanted to dislike it but I thought it was really well told and worked better and they pulled me in by using sort of the cause of the accident being Roxxon which is sort of a huge uh, figure in the Marvel universe of this sort of big uh, nasty capitalist industrial sure. giant that and so they They pulled me in by using a sort of Marvel Universe staple and then tying the story together. So I quite liked it, even though I wanted to dislike them disrupting my version of what is canon as an origin story. Uh, They then sort of twisted up the idea that you would get because uh, you you have this idea that you've got this nice white girl at the beginning and the the young black kid who look like they're going to be Oh, the upper-class mm-hmm. white girl and the street black kid. And, but then when you find them later on when they meet each other, the young black kid is now a young black man going to a prep school living in an upper-middle-class black family. And the white girl... Uh, who loses her dad also as a result of the accident, is living in a trailer park with her mom and stealing on the streets to survive. So they kind of swapped around the expected roles, and I, I really liked it. It, it. it worked. So I've only got two episodes in, so that's really all I've seen thus far, and I like it. I'm having a little difficulty with it being in New Orleans rather than in New York City. I'm kind of missing the New York City flavor that the original story had I wonder if it's keep them away from the other heroes so we don't have to explain yeah other heroes are involved that would make sense it hasn't really hurt the story yet but I do miss them being in New York City but so far two episodes in I like what they did and the changes they made and the decisions they made yeah
0: I don't have a problem with them uh changing the location I I think a lot of superhero stories especially at a TV level, work better as standalones. It's amazing that Marvel's been able to pull off all the, the continuity and crossovers that they have with their movies. But I think by and large, it's a lot easier to get two or three solid seasons of, of superhero story on TV out of a, a standalone character or a pair of characters. When you start introducing more and more uh, villains and heroes into the mix, it I think it's easier to kind of get overwhelmed or or lose lose what makes it good as a drama on tv
1: i don't disagree
0: that kind of uh kind of leads me into i just kind of wanted to touch back on um the whole marvel disney fox amalgamation conversation that we've had a few times because really reflecting back over the last six months that we've been recording this thing i've been noticing that although Probably my favorite movie in the last six months was uh, Infinity War. By and large, everything else that I really enjoyed this season was stuff that was outside of of that giant conglomerate of Marvel and Disney and Star Wars. I'm I'm really kind of getting oversaturated with uh, the sequels and the shared universes. I, I the things that really stuck out with me and that I really enjoyed were self-contained or indie pieces this year
1: what are some examples
0: uh so we talked about the terror a little kind of broody horror show on um, amc that we just finished recently and it was um really a very bleak uh series throughout and it didn't didn't get any better it really just got worse and worse but it was uh it was enjoyable i really liked it for what it was and it was something that i'd never even heard of before it came on so that was kind of cool The End of the Effing World, that was a little BBC series which I didn't realize at the time was actually based on a graphic novel. Those little self-contained things are really what stands out to me and things that I've really enjoyed compared to the overall Jessica Joneses and Black Panthers and some of those things that were fun, but they didn't, you know, they weren't my highlights.
1: One of the things that we did in a Take Home Top 3 was uh, shows that went on too long. Mm Mm-hmm and I was going to throw out one briefly I think I talked about it briefly but uh, I'm pretty sure Arrow the Green Arrow show on the CW has gone on too long Uh, we have six episodes left on the PVR and my wife was just like that's it I'm done you can watch the rest of the season if you want I'm out
0: Yeah. too many characters too many heroes I tell ya
1: I don't get it because Green Arrow part of the story in the comics and part of his lore is like he's the loner yeah and they have to have a team arrow constantly on this show i Hmm. that and i will never be able to accept that he is not romantically linked to the black canary character (laughs) on the show like that green arrow and, and black canary have to be together and I just can't get over it
0: yeah fair enough um so in terms of other tv uh comic book properties I know we're we're doing more recaps but um I think you finally caught up on Legion we've both seen the whole season of uh second season of Legion
1: yeah I did I wanted to do a brief update and do the trick of blending it into a bunch of other things that we talked about over the course of the season okay go for it All right, so I did. I finished season two, and uh, this I wanted to fold into one of the take-home top threes that you gave me was best use of music in one of these properties, movies, or television. Sure. If I had seen this season before, I'm pretty sure that episode four would have been one of the ones on my top three list, and that's the episode where David is caught in her looping backstory. Yeah. In her mind, the music choices in that were just fantastic. If anybody hasn't seen it, I'm not going to give away a whole bunch of the story, but they used a Bonnie Vera song 22 Over Soon over this first loop of her life showing pain and sorrow of her background and it was like just heartbreaking and that song was perfect and then they hit her sort of rebellious teenage years and that song just blended right into the nationals turtleneck which is sort of an angsty punk rock song from the national which was just absolutely fantastic the way it blended in they then they used uh tame impalas it's not meant to be and then finished off near the end with Jeff Russo, who's the music guy, who does all the music on the show, a cover of White Room, and then out of the episode into, again, one of his covers of Burning Down the House. Just that choice of music over that whole episode was just so fantastic. I was like, I watched it (laughs) like three times just to hear the music transitions through that. And uh, it's weird because it's the same guy's been doing the music for both seasons. And I don't remember... I don't remember there being anything wrong with it, but I don't remember being obsessed or in love with the music in the first season. But this whole season has been fantastic musical choice after a fantastic musical
0: choice. I do remember the music being um, a standout in the first season. Maybe not quite as um, foreground, maybe not quite as obvious, but I definitely remember in the first season, there's a scene where David, Finally, kind of comes into his own and goes off on a rampage and just obliterates a whole bunch of people. And when the rest of his team shows up and sees the aftermath, that was a really great mo- musical montage. And I'm thinking that was set to Radiohead, but I'd have to go back because I'm not sure I'm remembering that correctly. The episode that you, you're talking about where we get Sid's backstory and David is kind of trying to puzzle out what she's all about and to understand her, that, that episode almost... I wouldn't say had me in tears but had me just sort of on the edge of my seat. That's one of the best episodes of TV that I've seen this year or in a, in a very very long time. That was amazing television. It just kept going and kept kind of turning the knife and and this sounds hokey but gives gave me all the feels, you know, like I was angry at times, I felt his frustration, I felt her frustration and it was just a great example of of this season at its best and on the theme of music too what did you think of the finale because there was a great musical piece to start off that finale
1: oh yeah the who's uh behind blue eyes mm-hmm. again a jeff russo cover and also the uh bleeding out at the end uh tori amos's cornflake girl again uh, jeff russo's cover of that like so good
0: i didn't do any research i i knew there were a lot of great covers i didn't realize they were all the same artist
1: yeah, I went because I wanted to find some of them uh, just like because they were so good. Yeah. And unfortunately, and I did a little more digging because of rights issues, they, it's a lot cheaper to get the rights just to use a segment of a song uh, rather than the whole song. So when you see his covers, you, don't, you never get the full song. And so they don't have the rights to the full song. So Mm. if you go and get the Legion 2 soundtrack, it doesn't have any of the covers on it. It's just his original music for the series, which is sad. Yeah, you can find on YouTube people have done collage montages of all the songs strung together, but you're still only getting the segments. But man, his stuff is fantastic. All of his covers were just so bang on for what, the moment needed
0: yeah yeah really really good use of uh kind of you know like i think uh, you mentioned white rabbit and that was a great example of it kind of snuck up on you that that's what it was it was like is that is that what that is is that what yeah it is and it, it just really really good musical choices talking about trying to to track down those uh those songs online it was another of my favorite discoveries this year was the german show called the dark the dark and did we talk about the music from that one i talked about liking it but i actually um because of the magic of the internet nowadays even though somebody out there has gone to the trouble of freeze framing all of those credits and looking up what all those songs are and putting them together into spotify playlists it's great because um, yeah. that one used uh not a lot of original music but a lot of found music and if you enjoyed that show, or even if you didn't, if you want a really cool, eclectic playlist, there are some great resources out there to get all the music from uh, from that season of The Dark.
1: Nice. One more segue into music, because, I mean, I talked about specific songs, because they're like Bon Iver's I'm a huge fan, and The National. I love it when those sort of two fandoms intersect. I get into a show that I really like and they use a song that I really like. So I'm going to bleed this briefly into uh, Luke Cage season two. Okay. Have you had a chance to watch any of it yet? I haven't
0: seen it at all yet.
1: So I happened to catch watching the trailer about a month ago when it first came out that they were showing a clip of Paradise, the club in Harlem that the villains run. Mm-hmm. And they often have stage acts that get shown interspersed while they're at the club in the show for a brief flash in the trailer that i kept going back going did i really see that did i really see that a guy named gary clark jr was playing on the stage at the paradise and i love gary clark jr like i've seen him every time he's been in town i'm actually coming home uh, a three and a half hour drive from the cottage this uh, summer to <laughs> see him play in toronto and then driving back up to the cottage nice and uh, so I was like that is I'm sure that's Gary Clark Jr. So I, I just kept looking and then eventually I went searching and somebody indeed verified it was Gary Clark Jr. So I'm wondering how deep do I have to get into the series uh, this season to see <laughs> Gary Clark Jr. on stage? Thankfully, it was only episode two. Not, nice. not that they're, like I was going to watch it all anyways, but as soon as it came out, I'm like, I got to get to this episode with Gary Clark Jr. in it. And it was awesome. He's on the, in the second episode and he gets oftentimes the, the musical performance is in the background while another scene's going on and they show some interspersed clips of them playing. He gets basically a full concert video of him playing in the club and then a second song, which is done with him playing in the background while the action's taking place in flashes. So I'm like, somebody at Marvel Netflix Studios is also a Gary Clark Jr. fan.
0: Nice. Cool. So I'm looking at our list of stuff to touch on tonight and we still have lots and lots to get through. So I wanted to ask you about a game that you played called Frostpunk that uh, I really like the sound of, but I haven't had a chance to play. Have you kept on playing it?
1: Yeah, I have. It's uh, it's it's really good, but it's stupidly hard. Yeah. Well, that's sounds appropriate. I have been banished many, many times. I have been put to death by my populace many, many times. I have uh, had my populace desert me and go back to London many, many times. So you're building
0: up a thick skin.
1: Uh, Mm -hmm. to go um, look for survivors because the people in your town want to know if anybody else is still alive out there. And some of them are expecting family that were in other groups that were supposed to meet there. So to keep your populace happy, you eventually have to form these like parties to go out and search for things, but they're very expensive to equip. They take a bunch of people out of your city. You have to give them all kinds of resources to survive, and then they leave. I found some survivors in a cave. They were being attacked by polar bears, <laughs> and you would you could ignore it or try and stop them and i tried to stop them and the polar bears killed my whole party and it's like the amount of resources i sunk into them like <laughs> there's no way i can build another one It's was like time to restart wow <laughs> so yeah it, every decision can uh, just brutalize you but it's fun. I mean, you, you played uh, My War as well.
0: This War of Mine, yeah.
1: This War of Mine, yeah.
0: And yeah, it, was, uh, it was, kept me coming back, even though it was very punishing, very grim, very disheartening. Uh, I think feels like the same flow, the same kind of vibe, for sure.
1: I wanted to go back to a game I spoke about at one point called Unstable Unicorns. Mm-hmm. This was a card game designed by a t-shirt company.
0: What could possibly go wrong?
1: Yeah, it's like a massive hit in my house. Everybody likes it. It's yeah? super fun to play. It uh, it works really well. And uh, the art and the mildly mean but also comedic nature of all of the cards is just like it's really fun to play. <laughs> and it's relatively quick. Um, the rules are not fiddly. The card interactions work well. The art on all the cards is great. And it's just it's just super fun.
0: I thought you were going to tell me that uh, it's a big hit in your house, but you're sick of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm not at all. I'm impressed.
1: I like playing Stabby the Unicorn. <laughs> Stabby the Unicorn is a card with a unicorn with a knife strapped to the end of his horn. <laughs> nice, cute,
0: and deadly. Gotta like it. How about uh, at the other end of the complexity spectrum? How about Gloomhaven? Have you still been playing that at all? No. No. Do you think it will get back out eventually?
1: I think it will eventually. It's just that the setup, I have to have almost as much time to get that enormous box out and set it up and get everything organized as we're actually going to play the game. Yeah. And so trying to find that kind of time has been difficult.
0: I've played a couple of games like that. I've played a couple of games at Gloomhaven. And personally, I felt like the investment of time just in the game... Was a little much, and I didn't have to do any of that setup, so yeah, that's, uh, that's too bad. But uh, I, I do know some people that are still soldiering through and really enjoying it on an ongoing basis, so I guess it pays off if you're willing to put that the time into it.
1: I do think that the more you played it, the more the setup would become more intuitive. hmm
0: Apparently, there is an app. It's an unofficial app, but it lets you, it deals with some of the the tracking, the AI, and some of the the token management, some of the busy work and administration that you have to do. That might be something to look into.
1: I was going to take a brief revisit of a segment we did called PVR Pileup.
0: What do you still got on the PVR?
1: Well, I'm just going to note the top two uh, leaders on my PVR are The Walking Dead with 43 episodes. Okay. And Gotham with 28 episodes. Oof,
0: that's a lot of catch-up.
1: Uh, did you watch uh, more? We I spoke about the intro, the first episode of Black Mirror at some point.
0: Yeah, I dove back into Black Mirror. Well, I shouldn't say dove back in. I've... Uh, dipped my toe back into black mirror uh, it's still a bit of a the the darkness of it is still something that it's not like I want to binge watch but uh I'm you know I've I've heard over the years from so many people it's so great and I'd kind of backburnered it because Jen hadn't really enjoyed it and we we tend to watch uh, that kind of stuff together so um I hadn't watched a lot of it but I I started with that. Star Trek homage episode that you had told me about, which was great. Really enjoyed it. And even though, you know, you kind of told me a lot about it, it was still a very enjoyable episode. And that got me back in. I've really, um, I actually went right back to the start. And some of the season, some of the original season episodes still hold up uh, as amazingly kind of timely. And they're still kind of spot on in terms of making you question what's going on with technology in our society today. It's a, such a good series.
1: I really like those first two seasons where it was uh, just a BBC show. Yeah. I mean, I like the ones since Netflix picked it up as well, but for what they were, the first two seasons were exceptional.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's uh, it's great to have such a backlog to, uh, to look into. And I, I think Netflix is looking at doing more anthology series. And I think that's a great way to go. I think with so much talent out there, I'm glad to see that Netflix is investing in anthologies as well as ongoing series.
1: Meteor Fall was the swipe left, swipe right, deck building, swords and sorcery, mm-hmm. dungeon crawler game. And I picked it up and played it all the way across Italy whenever I needed to kill some time and didn't need an internet connection. It's a lot of fun for what it is, just a game you can pick up and play for 3, five, ten minutes and then put it down and go on. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm still playing it too. And uh, it's kind of broken me out of... A kind of grumpy dislike for roguelike games in case any of our listeners aren't familiar with the the term roguelike is the concept of a game where you have to go as far as you can and then you start back at zero there's really no save Uh, you just have to see how far you can get on one run or one life more or less Um, and generally I've kind of don't like those games I find I get burnt out on them way too early but Meteor Fall, even though it kind of follows that pattern, it's still very replayable. So I'm still having fun with that one.
1: There a couple of things I wanted to ask you for check-ins on. One of the things we talked about at one point was the 10 by 10 challenge. This was the play 10 board games that you already own 10 times.
0: Yeah, so the group of friends that we were working on this with, we've more or less stuck with it, not obsessively. But we haven't made that far through our 10 by 10, but we have mostly, uh, when we get together, we do mostly play games from that list of 10. So it's uh, coming along. I think we're at about 20 now out of our 100, 100 plays.
1: Another quick one. At one point when we were in uh, one of the previous shows, there was a Batman a mini game Kickstarter on and you were agonizing about am I going to get it and at what price point with how many extra pieces what happened to that
0: um I kind of bought some of it
1: <laughs> how high up the price ladder did uh you
0: go? I didn't go crazy high up the price ladder I certainly didn't go all in I probably s- still spent an alarming amount for a board game but not nearly as much as I could have So I don't know. I, I I don't want to throw a dollar figure out there, probably something like 200 bucks, Uh, but uh, that's hopefully going to be worth it in terms of uh, all the extras I got. But there was a lot of stuff in there that, you know, it's, we talked about it, about Kickstarter really as a, as an upsell platform. And uh, this one, I was able to look at a lot of those extras and say, I am never going to use that stuff. One of the add-ons was like a Bat Cave add-on, so it had a giant T-Rex miniature. Well, I I don't need a plastic T-Rex, you know, (laughs) or a Batmobile, you know, like, I'll be lucky if I play this game 10, 15 times, so I I think I can live without those things. I basically got the base game and an upgrade that lets you do a two-player dueling mode, which I thought seemed like it would get some extra play.
1: And as a follow-up to that, when is it scheduled for release so I can come down and play it? I
0: think we've got about a year to wait, so don't hold your breath.
1: I also saw from something you posted on Facebook that after I had mentioned Coco in an episode, the uh, animated film, you watched it?
0: I did. uh, We had uh, Jen's mother and sister staying with us for a week, and... It was kind of that painful hmm, what do we put on tv that doesn't have tons of swearing and gunplay that week they happened to release Coco on Netflix so i pulled it up and wow it was everybody's good as you said i really really enjoyed it I think you talked about the visuals and the music and those things were all great. And the way they incorporated lots of Mexican culture without being obnoxious about it, that was great too. One thing that I really enjoyed about it was just the actual story arc itself. I'm one of these people who, when I see a movie, my analytical brain tends to shut off. And I'm just, if the movie's good, I'm in there for the ride. I don't see twists coming. I don't, analyze things and this movie had a couple of twists and I love the double twist because I was still kind of reeling from the first reveal and then there's a second reveal and uh, (laughs) I just find that really really satisfying because I'm just kind of you know my tongue hanging out saying what's happening next and it's probably pretty obvious in hindsight some of these twists but uh, they were great
1: all right, unless you had anything else, I will uh, finish it off with one last animated film.
0: Sure, what else have you been... Oh, that's right, you saw Incredibles 2.
1: Yeah, uh, we talked about it coming out, so I thought I would do a little update. I'm not going to review the movie or anything. I'm just going to say this is a compliment and a criticism of some sort. I okay. thought it was every bit as good as the first movie, and I love the first movie, but in that it was every bit as good as the first movie... It winds up not being as good as the first movie because I think you lose a little bit of the magic having seen that universe and that world and that family that you can't really get that aspect back. So although story-wise, action-wise, animation-wise, it was all just as good as everything they did in the first movie, I don't think it quite got there for me, just because it didn't have that sort of sense of awe at this thing that they'd created in this world and this family and this dynamic. I thought about it in terms of, I felt the same way about the Harry Potter books all Mm -hmm. those years ago when I read them. There are certainly much better written books in the series than the first book, but the first book for me was the just majesty and wonder of this world that you were, that Rowling created and you were exploring. Like that was what got me in the first book. But once you are familiar with that world, she could never really grab me with it again in (laughs) in the subsequent books. So I think there are probably better books, but none of them ever came up to the same snuff for me as the first one. It was kind of that same thing with this. It's a great story. It's certainly totally strong. It's, uh, It's a whole lot of fun, but it didn't have that wow factor of the first one just not because it's missing anything because it is you know so the same as the first one yeah but uh, anybody who liked the first one will love it and uh I, I certainly loved it
0: yeah I think that's a, a great point is sometimes you just can't uh you can't recapture the magic I kind of felt the same thing about the Blade Runner sequel uh it was great in lots of ways maybe even better in some ways but it just kind of felt like a rehash in in other ways so i only saw it once i'm looking forward to seeing it a second time but uh yeah i had that kind of exact same feeling about blade runner
1: all right that completes our episode 20 rundown of 19 previous episodes
0: hard to believe we've actually managed to pull this thing off 20 times what was your your favorite thing that you discovered over the course of this uh this little odyssey that we've we're calling season one
1: uh i had a couple one of the netflix shows that i think maybe even the first episode you mentioned was altered carbon Mm -hmm. and uh, i watched it and i I think i reviewed it at one point but i really liked it and that was came sort of directly out of doing the podcast Uh, i already mentioned it in our list before but reply all podcast i probably never would have just stumbled onto meteor fall was a game we also just talked about and i think probably also coco that we talked about yeah uh, came out of that week when we were talking about animated films and i'd happened to see it so how about yourself
0: i think one of my favorite things it wasn't something that we watched or uh, listened to or anything and reviewed really it was uh the take home top three which basically has given me a giant list of other things that I want to check out or re-watch, especially the horror episode. That was when I kind of struggled to pick my favorites on, and I kept going through all these internet lists of great horror films, and I've got like a backlog of about 30 films that I've never seen that sound fantastic. So uh, I'm going to be working off that list for quite a while. That was my favorite discovery was, I haven't even tapped into it yet, but a whole bunch of stuff that I need to check out.
1: Did you have a biggest letdown, something we talked about or hyped or wanted to see that let you down this season?
0: I think uh, I kind of touched on this earlier. It's I think it's um, kind of franchise fatigue. And it might be, might be Han Solo, the Star Wars movie. And um, I'm kind of curious to see if that's going to, you know, on a second viewing, I'm going to feel better about it or not. But to me, it just feels like, wow, I never thought I'd be at the point of being ambivalent or blasé about a Star Wars movie coming out. Because even, even the crappy sequels was kind of exciting, but now they just seem to be pumping them out at such a pace. You know, it might even not be that the movie itself was that bad. It's just there have been so many Star Wars movies in the last few years that it was just the disappointment of not being excited or thrilled by a Star Wars movie. So that was my biggest letdown.
1: If you heard my review, you would not be surprised at all, but Jessica Jones season two. Yeah. Story went on too long, too drawn out, and uh, some miss. Although they had some early interesting Easter eggs, just a massive misuse of characters moving later into the show. No real development of Jessica's character over the course of it to the point where she winds up basically at the same place at the end of season two as she was at the end of season one. And I was pretty disappointed because I love first season.
0: Yeah. Interesting. How about with all the stuff that we've covered over the last six, six months, pretty much, we've pretty much been doing this for six months. What kind of stuff are you really excited about in the next six months? What's on the horizon that you want to see? Uh,
1: We, I think mentioned it only in passing once, but Uh, New Mutants is being developed Mm -hmm. my understanding from hearing some stuff about it is that they're doing it sort of as like a almost horror intrigue story and I think they're doing the Demon Bear saga Bill Sankovich's first run on New Mutants which for me is part of my comic book bible of development yeah Uh, so I'm like super psyched to see what they do with that beyond sort of that media uh, I'm pretty excited to go back to Shucks, uh, this year, which was the board game convention we went to last year, which, uh, we've been organizing around going, uh, again this year. And uh, I had a great time playing in that preview hall, mm-hmm. all the games that were sort of in the final stage of development, but not yet released.
0: Yeah, that was cool. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that too. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, but, uh, yeah, if anybody wants to join us in Vancouver in October, we'll be going to Shucks twenty eighteen and that should be a good time
1: for sure. How about yourself? Um,
0: it's funny because I, I suggested this question and then I had a really hard time answering it. But I think I think what I'm most looking forward to is all the different little shows that Netflix keeps pumping out. It's not one thing, it's the 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 list of new unique non-franchise properties uh and some of them are franchises too but um netflix is just creating so much original programming and so much of it has been so good like there's uh there's a riff on frankenstein that looks quite interesting it's got sean bean in it there's some bbc stuff that they're they're airing like uh bubblegum i've heard good things about and i i know the actor from that is great so there's my my most anticipated is just getting through all of the cool stuff that Netflix has been releasing, producing and releasing themselves over the last few months.
1: I think you've uh, set yourself out on an impossible task if it is to get through all <laughs> of the interesting stuff cuz Netflix to me has basically become like those walking dead's episodes piled up on my PVR. There are so many series that I've popped into my watch list of like, oh, I want to watch that eventually that and my watch list on Netflix now looks like the pile up on my PVR.
0: Anyways, I, I I know I'm not going to get through them all, but it's just the anticipation of checking out, you know, things that I've never even heard of or don't know anything about. It's uh, I really like going into a, a movie or a series blind, and there's a lot of stuff in there that I know nothing about, except the trailer looks cool.
1: Anything that you started with or got into that you either didn't like and then like, or liked and found you didn't like?
0: That's a toughie. Um, I think, yeah, I got nothing <laughs> on this one. <laughs> How about you?
1: I'm going to give people a bit of a a warning of sorts for something that I pumped pretty heavily when I first got into it, and that's the comic book Rat Queens. Okay. The first two collected volumes are absolutely fantastic, and then the artist left. And it's a long and twisted story, but it looked like online when I went to go find out what the hell happened. The artist was charged with domestic abuse, and so they canned him. And I thought I really wanted the person who replaced him to do well, and they didn't. And I, the art kind of deteriorated. And then as the art deteriorated, the story deteriorated. And then there's, I think it got canceled for a while and then came back, and they jumped in time from hmm. portions of the story. It really kind of fell apart coming to the end so if you want to go back to my recommendation read the first two collected volumes and potentially call it quits there because it sort of descends pretty deeply (laughs) in, in the later stages loved it at the beginning lost me at the end well
0: not everything that's great has to go on forever I wanted to give a couple of shout-outs to uh, some of my regular listeners. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, one of the best things for me about doing this this week in, week out, has been hearing from uh, some of my friends and family that that listen, and uh, I wanted to say thanks to Dave for his lengthy texts every week after he's listened to the episode i hope to god you're using transcription or something because if he's actually typing these things they're way too long thanks for listening every week dave and also uh to jamie and to luke for uh for the feedback positive and negative it's always great to hear what uh what people are thinking about what we do
1: all right i'll go with uh my friend from work esther who uh, on Thursday mornings, when we haven't got our shit together and put up an episode on Wednesday night, always ask me why was there no episode this morning. <laughs> what am I supposed to listen to on the go train in the morning on Thursdays? Yeah, that's a great feeling. And uh, my nine-year-old nephew, who is also a uh, faithful follower, and my sister sends me pictures of him sitting with his iPad and the headphones on, uh, listening to the podcast.
0: Excellent. Yeah, so actually, I should say to uh, for anybody who's listening and who's been uh, been following us along, we're going to be asking you uh, more formally for your feedback. We're going to put a survey up, and we would love for you to tell us what you like, what you don't like, if you have any ideas for what we're uh, what we what we're going to do in the future. Uh, I think Darren and I are both uh, we've enjoyed this a lot, but uh, we're looking to take a bit of a break over the summer and kind of take that feedback and get some new ideas and come back and uh, be better than ever in in a few weeks or a month or two i don't know we'll see how long it lasts but we're coming back but we want to uh want to tweak the formula a little bit and we'd love to have your input on that
1: all right for our last episode we also have our last take home top three
0: yeah and this was a great one i have to say uh this is a perfect one for me to end the season, you asked me to, to think about or name my three most influential comics getting started as a comics reader. Is that fair? Yep. So I really went with early, early, early stuff. Um, a lot of my, if I were to give some also rans or runners up, when I was actually getting into comics as a, as a teen or a tween, um, which was about when, when we met and we got into our, our love of comics. Um, I really enjoyed Alpha Flight, some of the Chris Claremont runs on X-Men. Those were, would have been some of my uh, picks if I was getting into sort of me as a comic collector. Um, but I really wanted to focus on the comics that I most remembered as a kid. And so these are actual more like single episodes or single issues rather than, uh, than arcs or, or series. So actually I should, uh, one of them is is a later one. Um, so my number three slot is The Searcher Saga. So this is The Mighty Thor issues 337 to 353, which ran from uh, 1983 to 1985. Do you know, you know, you must know these comics. Oh yeah. So for people who don't know, um, this was, uh, the reason I included this on my list, this was uh, my introduction to Thor, really. And this was a new creator taking on the series and showing me that how much influence one creator could have on a, a comic series. I didn't really know a whole lot about Thor. I never had really read him. But Walt Simonson came in and wrote, penciled, and inked all of these issues. And it's such an awesome saga. That first issue with beta ray bill just smashing the logo and that i think that is what sucked me in that iconic um cover and thor loses his hammer to somebody who's more worthy than he is it's a great teaser and introduces the whole ragnarok saga that they kind of vaguely allude to in the movies but not to the same extent so he both introduces the awesome cosmicness of the Marvel Universe with Beta Ray Bill and really brings it back to the um, the Norse myths that everything is based on. So that that whole run, twenty some odd issues, is just an amazing run of comics.
1: Absolutely, it is a great great thing. The whole Beta Ray Bill thing was fantastic. Yeah, can't fault that selection at all.
0: Yeah, so, so after having said that I was going to focus on my childhood comics, that's the one, the one out of three that wasn't. <laughs> Number two for me is a couple of issues of the Fantastic Four. So this is uh, issues 213 and 214 of Fantastic Four, which I would have picked up at the local drugstore solely based on the art on the comics. And these were drawn by John Byrne and written by Marv Wolfman. And these two issues feature Galactus... And the Sphinx and Terax, the Destroyer, who was uh, at that time the Herald of Galactus, and they also featured the Fantastic Four who, through some, some way, I didn't read the episode or the issue before this, had been uh, zapped by some sort of aging ray. So, uh, Reed and Sue and Ben were all aging away to death to, you know, frail old people, and Johnny was the only one left alive. The covers of these, uh, one of them basically just has Johnny standing with his hands raised to the heaven as the rest of the team is all just dead on the floor around them. So they were really awesome, epic Marvel stories. So I picked these two because they kind of showed me just how epic and crazy the Marvel Universe could be with uh, Galactus and the Beyonder and all of these, uh, or not the Beyonder, um, the Watcher. Mm -hmm. All of that kind of cosmic epicness, but then also the family and the emotion of the Fantastic Four. This was kind of my intro to the Fantastic Four. And also, you know, at that time, John Byrne was drawing a lot of stuff. And wow, his art at that time and still is just fantastic. So a couple of great, great episodes, great issues of Fantastic Four for anybody who wants to check out a classic art.
1: Yeah, there are so many good arcs of the Fantastic Four that the focus and spotlight is on the family that the fact that they can't get them remotely right on screen is just somebody go back and read the comics, please. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, someday somebody will get it right. That would be great to see. Okay, so that's going to bring me to my my number one pick. And uh, I was so happy to have an excuse to, to talk about this because when you gave me this assignment a couple of weeks ago, this one issue uh, came to mind immediately because I have no problem saying what my favorite issue of a comic book is, or what my Desert Island comic book would be, or what one comic I would give to a kid who wanted to know about comics or Spider-Man. So this is the Spectacular Spider-Man magazine number two. So it's an oversized issue. I have no idea how I even got this comic as a kid. It came out in 1968. It was reprinted in 1973. I'm not sure if I originally had the reprint or this issue
1: does spider-man fight the the Wolfman in this one
0: uh no this is uh spidey versus the green goblin all right so this is my all-time favorite comic for so many reasons for one thing spider-man is head and shoulders above any other comic book hero in my mind i was just you know to me comic books are spider-man superheroes are spider-man that's he's always been my favorite and this one issue Uh, So it's written by Stan Lee. It's drawn by John Romita and inked by Jim Mooney. The art is great. The story is great. It's a huge story for a single issue. It's like 58 stories, 58 pages of story, a couple of pages of ad at the end. But it's a big story that's really self-contained, and that's something you don't get a lot in newer comics. And basically, this is the story of the Green Goblin who has been sort of... he basically has forgotten he's the Green Goblin and has a relapse. And so it's the Goblin returning to terrorize Spider-Man. A lot of the beats... From this story were actually picked up by the first couple of uh, Spider-Man movies, with the Goblin kind of threatening to out Peter Parker to his uh, to his family. This this single issue of Spider-Man has like everything you need to know about Spider-Man. It has you know him doting over Aunt May and worrying about Aunt May. It has him kind of flirting with Mary Jane and. Um, it has an absolutely terrifying performance by Norman Osborn as the Green Goblin. So um, I just can't go on enough about this one issue, but uh, it's just got amazing scenes. It's got amazing action. It's got the kind of the psychological terror of the worst thing that can happen to you as a superhero is your friends and family being hurt. And that's something that I think. We don't really get in comics anymore, but that was such a driver. The secret identity thing was such a driver in comics for so long. And this one just does a great job of uh, Norman Osborn really psychologically torturing and terrorizing Peter about, I'm going to let them know, and they're going to find out, and then I'm going to kill them, and then I'm going to kill you. Just just great stuff.
1: When you describe this as oversized, is it a regular comic that's just longer, or was this one of those like 10 by 12 sort of story books in comic form that they had like the oversized not just in length but size so
0: it's not as big as those those big ones like superman versus muhammad ali or uh you know, those kind of um, kind of 10 by 12 ones. This was a little bit bigger. It's kind of like Time Magazine size. So it's bigger than a comic, but not huge. And um, it's just really long, but a little bit larger. And it was uh, published quarterly. And this particular one even... Like, this was my... Bible of Spidey. I think for many years, this might've been my only Spider-Man comic. And the front cover has like the origin of Spider-Man in one page. So it really was like a great story that has flashbacks to little things. So it really was like a Spidey primer for me. And I I actually managed to track it down and pick it up a few years ago. And it totally holds up as a single issue. It's like, this could be the one Spider-Man comic I I ever need. Right on. So thank you for giving me the excuse to gush about this. Uh, I've I've (laughs) thought about uh, blogging about it or writing about it because it really is like the single best issue of comics that I could ever think of. Right on. So your homework for this week is... Oh, wait, you don't get homework for this week because we're calling it a season finale.
1: That does mean we won't have a take-home top three for episode one of season two.
0: Maybe one of our uh, listeners can suggest something.
1: That would be good. Yeah.
0: So how are we going to close this off? It's been 20 episodes. We're coming back better than ever. Hopefully. Hopefully.
1: <laughs> Not hopefully we're coming back, but hopefully better. Hopefully
0: better. We want to thank K-Bonna Black for letting us use his music all these uh, many months.
1: Yeah, and we want to thank everybody who has left a review for us on iTunes or a comment on the Podbean site, all those people who have followed the Instagram account and left comments or likes and all those people following us on Twitter. And for those of you who aren't our address in all of those locations is at totally sort of.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to give a little quick shout out to, uh, to the artist Jordan Goslin who did our awesome uh, cartoon likenesses for the logo. I don't think I've ever mentioned that on the show and the uh, musician Andros who did our, uh, our funky uh, accented totally sort of which, you know, I, I, I've i really warmed up to over the months.
1: Yeah, I know. I think both of us had issues with it at the beginning, and then both of us came around to liking yeah. it. Yeah,
0: so uh, some great, great tunes, and um, it's been a lot of fun uh, having this excuse to catch up every week, my friend.
1: It has been. If you want to catch up with us... All of our episodes remain and will remain free to listen to or download on iTunes, in the Google Play Store, at our website at totallysortof.com, or in the Podbean app.
0: Yeah, so uh, we look forward to producing more and coming back with an awesome season two. And until then, I think we'll say goodbye. Night, my friend.
1: Night, pal.